Bibles and turn, if we could, to our responsive reading, which is found in 2 Kings chapter 23. We have eight verses of Scripture this morning. I'll read four of them, and you'll read four of them in unison, please. They're in two parts, though. So 2 Kings chapter 23, verses 24 through 27. That means I'll read verses 24 and 26. Would you read with me, please, verses 25 and 27? And then we'll give instruction on the next four verses. They are long verses, by the way. And eight of them, but all long verses. So in respect to the reading of the word of God, if you're able to stand once again, I invite you to stand. Second Kings 23, verses 24 through 27, in reading responsively. Moreover, the workers with familiar spirits and the wizards and the images and the idols and all the abominations that were spied in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem did Josiah put away that he might perform the words of the law which were written in the book that Hilkiah the priest found in the house of the Lord. And like unto him was there no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, neither after him arose there any like him. Notwithstanding, the Lord turned not from the fierceness of his great wrath, wherewith his anger was kindled against Judah, because of all the provocations that Manasseh had provoked him withal. And the Lord said, I will remove Judah also out of my sight, as I have removed Israel, and will cast off this city, Jerusalem, which I have chosen, and the house of which I said, my name shall be there. Slide over, if you would, to verse 34, and we'd like to read to the end of the chapter, to verse 37 again responsively. And Pharaoh Necho made Eliakim, the son of Josiah, king in the room of Josiah his father, and turned his name to Jehoiakim, and took Jehoiaz away, and he came to Egypt and died there. And Jehoiakim gave the silver and the gold to Pharaoh, but he taxed the land to give the money according to the commandment of Pharaoh. He exacted the silver and the gold of the people of the land, everyone according to his taxation, to give it unto Pharaoh Necho. Jehoiakim was twenty and five years old when he began to reign, and he reigned eleven years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Zebudah, the daughter of Pediah of Rumah. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his fathers had done. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. Now, Heavenly Father, Spirit of God, take this true account of the fall of the nation of Judah. Speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, we do pray for our country, but most of all, I pray for the church of God. I pray for those within the sound of this voice this morning. Have your will and way in our midst. We'll thank you for what you're going to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Second Kings 23. Jump right into things this morning. The year is 607 B.C., in the beginning of the chapter in 608, and we see that Josiah, he is killed in a very, very famous battle called the Valley of uh, the Battle of Megiddo. And then the event of our key pet verse that we'll read in a moment is taking place in 607. 606 is a very famous world battle called the Battle of Carchemish. Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, defeats, of course, a host of Syrian 
It's uh, Syrian and Am uh, Ammonite empires, and of course, Egypt at the head of the list, of course, in Pharaoh Necho. But right now, Pharaoh Necho is still reigning for about another year or so. Our text verse, and we need to read about three chapters, but we're going to go right immediately to our text verse. It's chapter 23 and verse number 35. Notice what the Word of God says. And Jehoiakim gave the silver, wicked king, by the way, 11 years he reigned, and the gold to Pharaoh. But he taxed, two things for sure in life, right? Death and taxes. But he taxed the land to give the money according to the commandment of Pharaoh. He exacted or extorted the silver and the gold of the people of the land. Of every one according to his taxation to give it unto Pharaoh Necho. Our text chronicles a portion of the demise of the 400-year nation of Judah. Again, if we had time, we'd read chapter 22, 23, and 24 in their entirety. It would take half the service time up if we did that. Suffice it to say that Israel, Judah, the southern kingdom, is at the end of the road. They went from the most dominant nation in the known world because they departed from their God. The wicked shall be turned into hell in all the nations, including Israel, that forget God. They became depraved. They became dependent on wicked nations. They went into debt. And they finally were destroyed. Such is the case with every nation that turns their back on God. I can't help but see the striking parallels. This is my, I try to preach in case you veterans know this, but I try to preach two patriotic messages a year. I'm not here next Sunday. Brother Seuss will be preaching. So this is my patriotic independence message of the, of the year, of course. I can't help but see the striking parallels between Israel of old and the new Israel. America, we used to be the new Israel of 2019. We're living in a dependent, in an in-debt, and soon-to-be-destroyed state. Uh, Friday, ancient history, I know, two days ago, I was listening to the radio and heard a Connecticut state representative member announce about Hubble. It's old news now. It's three weeks old or a month old. They're closing down 100 jobs, high-paying jobs in southern Connecticut. He went on to describe a list of several more companies. One in Waterbury, a plastic company, 140 in Waterbury. It doesn't affect us. We're in Torrington. And uh, that's closing down or laying off 140 employees. Several more companies as well that are leaving Connecticut. Some say it doesn't matter. It's just 100 here, 100 there. Our state legislature, this is really ancient history. This is like 10 days ago. Our state legislature just passed a budget increasing our taxes to the tune of over $2 million this year. Our governor, he signed the bill, of course, and to his credit, he said he would raise taxes, and he's doing exactly what he said he'd do. Uh, I heard the quote. I hear it almost every day on the radio. I get to listen to talk radio probably more than most of you that have to go to work. But uh, every day on the talk radio, I hear our former governor, our last governor, say, and I quote, every single penny of collected revenue, taxes, that is, pays for the state employee pension fund every single penny. The headlines of the last week or two weeks, didn't they just read headlines from Google search and so forth in the Connecticut Mirror, the Daily Post, the Daily Beast, the, the uh, Atlantic, etc. The Daily Beast, the headline was, why is Connecticut collapsing? $74 billion in debt and counting. The day, uh, again, news outlet, 
title, a financial time bomb. State pension system is second most underfunded in the United States, second only to Illinois. Connecticut state capital headlines again, prepares for bankruptcy. We're going to start paying. Did you hear that ninth graders in Hartford, Connecticut, are going to start getting paid $100 a week to make sure that they go to school all five days a week and are not tardy? We'll, we'll pay for that. Uh, the, the day, the Connecticut, uh, another, the Atlantic says this, what on earth is wrong with Connecticut? Five straight years in a row of population declining. That's on the state level. On the national front, I saw Wednesday and Thursday night 20 Democratic presidential candidates all offering a version of free health care as a basic human right. Free college, offering debt forgiveness for the lowly $1.7 trillion student loan debt, which is 8% of our entire national budget. And finally, they're all, all the Democratic presidential hopefuls, so they're, they're all saying that the rich will pay their fair share. They're offering a socialist utopia. Socialism is nothing more than the redistribution of wealth. It's giving from the, taking from the haves and giving to the have-nots. Some say amen to that. I heard that amen. Frederick Hayek says this, Nobel Peace Prize winner, 1974, in his book, The Road to Serfdom. The end result, speaking about socialism, the end results, he proclaims, fails and ends in tyranny and oppression. There's five truths regarding wealth creation. I'll just rapid fire give you to them. Five truths concerning wealth, undeniable truths concerning wealth creation. Number one, you cannot legislate the poor into prosperity by legislating the wealth in, out of prosperity. Number two, what one person receives without working for Another person must work for without receiving. Number three, the third truth regarding wealth, wealth creation. The government cannot give to anybody anything that the government does not first take from somebody else. We are the government. If the government gives money, it's given by the people. We the people of the United States of America. Number four, you cannot multiply wealth by dividing it. Number five, undeniable truth, number five of regarding wealth creation. When half the people get the idea that they do not have to work because the other half is going to take care of them, and when the other half gets the idea that it no does no good to work because somebody else is going to get what they work for, that is the beginning of the end of any nation. And so we live in a present-day society, I can summarize with this statement, where homosexuals lecture us on morals. Transvestites lecture us on human biology. Full-term abortion advocates lecture us on women's rights. The socialist lectures us on economics. From our text, back to our text now, verse 34, or verse 35 of 2 Kings chapter 23. Within 20 years of this verse, Israel, Judah, that is, the southern kingdom, the most coveted powerful nation in the world is in ruin. Literal Literal rubble, like Venezuela with her allies of Cuba, North Korea, and South Soviet Union. Judah picked Pharaoh, Egypt, as their ally. They would be destroyed within a year of this writing of this text. And completely 
by, by this date, 607 B.C., by 586 B.C., Judah is no more for 2,500 years. They're gone. 400 years a nation and gone for 2,500 years. I think America is 244 years old now. I don't know how long God has for us on this planet. But right now we still are the most coveted nation in the face of the earth, the most immigrant accepting nation on the face of the, in the face of the, uh, the earth. Still people try to get in from all countries all around the world. They all try to come here because it's still a nation that's been blessed of God. But the crux of this morning's message, in case you're wondering, is not a lesson in the evils of social, socialism or, or of debt or of economics. America, like Judah of old, their problem wasn't exorbitant taxation, although they had that. Our state's problem is not exorbitant taxation, but we have that. But Judah, like America, like Connecticut, like many of our other states, our problem is not a departure of wealth problem. Our problem is a departure of God problem. We kicked God out of our schools some 70 years ago. We said no to the God of the Bible. We kicked the Bible out of our public schools and out of our public discourse. We can no longer have the Ten Commandments on our courthouse capital or steps or anywhere to be found in a place of law because we're lawless. We're without God. Now here's the message this morning. All that was in the way of introduction. I'm, the older I get, the more I realize, the less I know. I don't know the future. I don't know the immediate future. I mean, what could happen this week? Iran could launch a missile. China could do something in the South Sea. North Korea might get upset. Venezuela might erupt. What's going to happen this week? If you know, you know more than I know. We don't know. This is a volatile world that we live in. What's going to happen in America? Well, chances are we're going to celebrate and see fireworks on July 3rd, I think it is, or maybe over the weekend in Torrington, I think it is. What's going to happen? I do not know, and I'm the first one to say I don't know, but I'm going to say this here. And I, as I look at history, and those who do not learn from history are forever condemned to make the mistakes of history. We can look at Judah of old, and we can learn some, draw some application these were given for our examples that we should not follow after their footsteps, the Bible says. And America is, was meant to be the second, the new Israel, the city upon a hill, the greatest nation since the nation of Israel. But Israel, to this point, is on its spiral down, down decline and going into complete uh, destruction. Within 20 years, they will be no more. So I would say, as America, as Judah of old, that number one, one of three scenarios, one of three postulates, this is there could be four or five, I suppose, but I see three possible postulates of what could happen to America. First of all, will there be, and I asked the question in question form this, this morning, will there be an American ruin? Will there be an American ruin? Look at verse number 20, or 34 of chapter 23 of Second Kings. And Pharaoh, Necho, made Eliakim, the son of Josiah, king in the room of Josiah, his father, and turned his name to Jehoiakim and took Jehoiaz, who reigned for three months away, and he came to Egypt and died there. Will there be an American ruin? You see, Pharaoh Necho, he became the puppet master. And there was, Israel was influenced by treachery from without. Will America fall from treachery from without? 
Some say there's treachery from without, it's from Russia. Some say there's treachery from without, it's from China. Some have, believe there's invisible forces, number one on our worksheet. Invisible forces that are pulling the puppet strings. That some of our presidents, some of our congress, that they're in office because of outside forces. And here this Egyptian force came into Egypt. You say, preacher, do you believe in outside forces that are influential? How about this one, Ephesians 2.2. Where in time past you walked according to the course of, the, the, of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. It's amazing, you know, these cell phones of ours. I uh, got a call the other day, actually, a couple months ago now, I guess it was, from Italy, from our missionary, John Hornbeck. I took that call, from what I understand, and went right to our cell tower, went up to a satellite, went down to a cell tower in Italy, went to Aviano, went to John Hornbeck's here, and there was a millisecond difference between me and him 7,000 miles away from each other. That can be done on cell phones. Talk about the power of the air. The Bible says there's a prince in the power of the air that now worketh in the children of disobedience. The Satan is not omniscient. He's not all-knowing. He's not omnipresent. But his influence is all over the world. And if cell phones can be influenced and Facebook can be all over the world, I guarantee you Satan can be all over the world. He's an outside force. He's an outside force that causes treachery in the hearts and lives of people. He blinds the mind, 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Whom the God of this world... I mean, Jehoiakim was so foolish. He said, I know what I'll do. I'll broker a deal with Pharaoh Necho. He'll save us. Just months away from the Battle of Carchemish and total destruction. And then their new puppet master would be Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. But he trusted in the gods of this world. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, in whom the God, small g, of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. I gave a track out this week, or I was at a certain door, I'll leave unnamed. I gave a, gave a track, I wrote on the track, please call me. I gave my number, I said, I got something I want to tell you. They haven't called me yet. I think they're afraid that I might try to preach to them. I might try to get them into church. Little do they know I, have an, I got an offer for them, but they don't take me up on it. Because they're running from me because I'm dangerous. The God of this world hath blinded their minds, thus the light of the glorious gospel. Pharaoh Necho, or rather Jehoiakim, what am I going to do? I know what I'll do. I'll make an alliance with Egypt. That'll solve the problem. Forces treachery from without. You say, preacher, are you a conspiracy guy in regards to America's uh, the pulling the, 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 the puppet strings again of our presidents and our Congress? And is, you believe George Soros is pulling the puppet strings, maybe the Illuminati, maybe the Masons, maybe the World Bank, Monetary Bank, maybe the U.N.? I don't know about all that stuff, but I know there's a devil. And I know he's the God of this world. And I know he deceives the minds of millions. And he's the prince of the power of the air. That I know there's, there's treachery from without. But then I want you to consider for just a few moments, not only worldly invisible forces, treachery from without, but secondly, worldly invisible, or rather, uh, worldly influences. Worldly influences. Our kids just got back from camp, 10 of them, and they learned to love the Lord our God with all their heart and soul and might. This is the first and great commandment. Young people, let me talk to you teenagers who went to camp for a few minutes. You got choices to make. There's millions of Americans older than you, 20 years in their 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s. They're chasing after the Almighty. 
That's the almighty dollar, by the way. And they're spending their whole life chasing what this world has to offer. He who dies for the most choice wins. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, love not the world and all the lusts thereof and the lust of the flesh, the lust of the lies, and the pride of life for all the of the fathers, all the of the world is not of the father, but is of the devil. Worldly influence. You've got to choose this day whom you will serve. But there's a worldly influence that's on America. Disneyland is far more popular than churchland. And summertime is more, more popular than Sunday school time. And there's worldly influence, worldly forces that from without, it, it infected, it bugged, it went to the very height and the very leadership of Judah of old. And it go to the very highest halls of office in our United States and around the world as well. It's tyranny from within. By the way, one and two, I don't, I don't think it's on your worksheet. In fact, I don't think, I don't think, I don't remember if I put it on there or not. I did not. You don't have a one and two, don't you? Forget it, never mind. It's my one and two on my sheet here. Look at verse number 35. Letter B, not only is there treachery from without, but then verse number 35, treachery from within. And once again, our text first, Jehoiakim gave the silver and the gold to Pharaoh, but he taxed the land. He taxed the land to give the money according to the commandment of Pharaoh. My one and two are underneath tyranny from within, exorbitant taxes. We're having our creation or wealth creation destroyed. I live in my neighborhood. Most of you know where I live, of course. I have 14 houses on my street. Three are for sale right now. Two are for foreclosure. We had six houses on my street of 14 houses for sale, or three of them were for foreclosure this year. I bought my house 16 years ago. It's worth less today than I bought it 16 years ago. That's going to be said for all of Torrington. You say, preacher, you're just mad. You, just, you, just, you bought it at the wrong time, and it's just, you don't like taxes. And I don't have a problem with taxes. I have a problem with exorbitant taxes. There's taxes, and then it's, the verse says, verse number 16, you see, it destroys so many things. It says, verse, number six, or verse 35, the second part of the verse, he gave the money according to the commandment of Pharaoh. He exacted. Now that word exacted means extortion or extorted. Or he robbed the, the silver and the gold of the people of the land. Everyone according to his taxation to give it unto the Pharaoh Necho. And I want you to notice the exorbitant taxes of true wealth. He exacted them. He took by decree, by force. We're having our monies taken away by force. But we had other type of gold taken away by force. Our nation was a nation of one nation under God. We had the Bible as our textbook. As our first book ever published by the United States government was the Bible. In 1963, we took it out of our schools. We said we won't have that gold in our schools any longer. We took it out. We took our spiritual gold away. Our silver, we took our silver, our, we talked about our spiritual silver, and we took it away, and we said, you can't pray in school any longer. You can't go to the God of heaven. You can't, we can't have the civil discourse in regards to Christianity, in regards to our, in our public offices anymore. It's got to be, it's un ruled unconstitutional. We've got to take it away. They came after our spiritual gold and silver, now they're coming after our physical gold and silver. America. I ask the question, will there be an American ruin? You say, it couldn't happen to us. 20 years ago, Venezuela was the richest nation in South America. Today, it's in poverty-stricken. People are starving to death, raiding trash, trash dumpsters to try to eat and survive. 
But they have their allies. They have North Korea. They have Cuba. They have Russia. Strange bedfellows. So we ask the question, will there be an American ruin? But secondly, I ask the question, and turn, if you would, please, to chapter 23, the first part of the chapter. I have to turn a page in my Bible, long chapters. But I ask this question, will there be, secondly, possibly an American revolution? A revolt? And we usually think of that in a negative context. But we had a bunch of patriots 240-some years ago that stood up, and they were, they were in the minority, by the way. And they said to King George, we'll have no king but King Jesus. They said taxation without representation is not fair. We don't mind taxation, we just want representation. They said, we'll not stand for this any longer. And the American war for independence was more than a war for physical freedom. It was a war for spiritual liberties, to worship God as we see fit. We ended up getting the Bill of Rights, as we know of the first uh, of our ten commandments, or uh, amendments rather, Congress showing no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or bridging the freedom of speech or freedom of the press. We see this revolution that took place with a boy king. I have to do this quickly. Josiah came to the throne after 55 years of Manasseh who reigned as the wickedest, the most wickedest king for 55 years. Talk about need for term limits. For 55 years, he reigned in Israel, and he brought every type of wickedness and device into Israel or into Judah. And Josiah would follow him. He's eight years old when he goes to the throne. And when he's 18, the word of God is found, and he brings about some revival. There was a house cleaning that brought revival. I want you to notice chapter 23 and verse number 2. And the king went up into the house of the Lord, and the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him, and the priests and the people, or the prophets, and all the people, both small and great. Oh, would to God America would come back to the house of God. It says, and, and he read in their ears, notice this, all the words of the book of the covenant which was found in the house of the Lord. He read the Pentateuch, the first five books of the, the, the Bible, the law, the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, in English, it would take about 10 hours to read, the, read uh, audibly the first five books of the Bible. He read the books of the law, all the commandments of the law. I want you to notice that in this religious revival, this house cleaning, that they return to the Bible. The first book I've already mentioned that the United States ever preached or ever published or authorized by Congress was the Word of God. John Adams, I visited his graveside a year and a half ago. It's underneath a church, a Unitarian church with a rainbow flag flying in front of the door underneath or above the door that we've got to walk into to get to. John Adams and his nephew, John Quincy Adams, our sixth president and our second president, our first vice president and our second United States president, John Adams said these words about the Bible. I have examined all religions and the result is that the Bible is the best book in the world. You see, they returned to the Bible. Josiah said, we've got to get back to the Bible. Then they said, in this hostility, he said, they need, I want you to notice verse number three, chapter 23. And the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord. Oh, we've gotten away from being a covenant people. To walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all their heart and with all their soul to perform the words of this covenant, this promise. 
that were written in this book. And all the people stood to the covenant. They all said, they all vowed allegiance. I want you to notice that they renewed their walk with the Lord. Would to God. Young people, let me talk to you for just a minute here. You that are graduating, we had two graduates a couple weeks ago we honored. Daniel's here, Daniel. If I was looking for an employee and I was looking for a young high school kid out of, college, or out of high school to employ, and I could look at two things. I could look at his grade point average or his attendance record. I would take his attendance record over his grade point average. I would want somebody to go to work every day and be on time and the one the person that was faithful and showing up to work, that's half the battle, somebody said, in work. Come to work. How about come to church? How about, how about walk with the Lord? Make a covenant, a pleasing covenant with the Lord. So they, they returned to the Bible in this revolution, this Judean revolution through Josiah. They walked with the Lord. Then they, thirdly, number, verse number four, and let me go hurried, please. Just glance at verse 4. I won't read the whole verse. It's a long verse. And the king commanded Hilkiah the high priest and the priests, etc., and the keepers of the door, etc. And they took and they cast out all the vessels that were made for Baal and for the, and the grove and for the grove and all that the hosts of heaven. They, they got into more social justice in their churches, more climate justice and climate uh, and, and they worshiped the the host of heaven, nothing new. They worship the creature more than the creator in the house of God. And I want you to notice that they cleaned up the house of God. They repaired God's house. Let me get real literal, real fiscal. There's half a dozen buildings in Torrington, Connecticut that once upon a time were church buildings. Today they're apartments. Today they're, they're teen centers. Today they're, they're, they're stores. In Torrington, Connecticut... That story can be told thousands, tens of thousands of times, maybe hundreds of thousands of times, all across the fruited plain, all across America. Churches are falling apart in disrepair. I heard just the other day of a certain church within our, our neck of the woods that probably should close because they're not a gospel preaching church anyhow. They're not just a handful of people. They can't even afford to keep the lights on. They, I think the house of God, out of the, the, I've never made apologies. We've got thousands of comments on on the, the beauty of our building and our, on our grounds. I get it all the time, several every week. I get new people come in and they see our building and our grounds. And, and uh, I've never apologized one time for spending one dime for flowers, for, for uh, repairs, for taking care of the house of God, because I think the house of God ought to be the most beautiful house in the, in the neighborhood. I want you to have a beautiful house inside and outside. I want you to have a beautiful lawn. I think you should take care of your lawn. You're a Christian after all. Do that. You should have beautiful furniture. All God's people said, amen, I want beautiful furniture, right? Nothing wrong with having a nice, beautiful house, but the nicest house ought to be the house of God. When they had revival, they got back to the book. They got back to the Bible. When they had revival, they got back to walking with the Lord. When they had revival, they repaired the house of God. Number four, letter D on our worksheet. They rejected the false priest or preachers. They said, no more, we're not putting up with this any longer. Verse number five. And he put down the idolatrous priest whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense in the high places in the cities of Judah. It's interesting. I'll leave it unnamed because I'm not trying to be harsh this morning. I don't want to offend somebody here. But uh, there's a certain denomination that's very prevalent in, in, uh, in New England. Over a third of its pulpits are filled with not just women. That's one thing. 
but filled with lesbians. That's a very, that's a very fact that's known. They're filled with lesbians, and they have a, we're an open and affirming church. They have the beautiful rainbow flying in their front yard of their church or usually above the doors. All are welcome except for those that are not welcome. They refused, they rejected the false priests. They said, no, we're going to have real preachers. We're going to have real, real men of God give the word of God. Then I want you to notice verse number seven. And he break down the houses of the sodomites. I bet you didn't know that was a Bible word, did you? The sodomites that were by the house of the Lord where the women were hanging for the, wove hangings for the grove. They refused sodomy. Did you know, young people, I know you don't know that word, but all 50 states, I said all 50 states, let me say it again, all 50 states in the United States of America had sodomy laws in 1964. It was a crime. There's penalty by uh, even um, uh, imprisonment penalty. Do you know on a pro-gay website, look it up, Google it and see if I'm telling you the truth. I went to a pro-gay website and I wanted to ask about, I asked about sodomy laws. All 50 states, they had the laws. You know the toughest state in the nation on sodomy laws? You know which state it was? Connecticut. 30 years imprisonment in Connecticut. 16 states today after the Lawrence versus Texas 2003 Supreme Court decision that said that consensual sex between adults is okay. 16 states to this day still have sodomy laws on the books. Young people, let me educate you. There was a day when in all of our military branches, all of our military branches, and it was in my lifetime, just a few years ago. In fact, there was a president that changed things. He said, don't ask, don't tell. But don't tell. Now everybody tells. Now there's no shame. Now it's all okay. It's, in fact, it's open and, it's, and it will be accepted. But all, all of our military branches, every one of them, had laws on the books Principal offense for homosexuality. I'm just saying, you call it homosexuality, the Bible calls it sodomy, and the laws are called sodomy. When I was in India 30 years ago, I was in a seminary class with about 30 or 40 seminarians, preachers training for the gospel. I had a questionnaire, I had an hour in the class, or 50 minutes, whatever it was. My, one of my questions was that they were all filling them out. I have them in, filed in my office as we speak. And I asked the question, what do you think of America? When you think of America, please be honest. And three of those seminarians wrote down this response almost verbatim. They said, if God does not judge America for her sin, he will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. This was from India 30 years ago, Hindu nation. They refused sodomy. Hey, I'm not getting political. I'm not getting even current events. I'm just saying this is what the Bible said 2,000 years ago, 2,500 years ago. Then I want you to notice verse number 10. And he defiled Tophet, which is the valley of the children of Hinnom. I've seen that valley. It's not a valley much different and much larger than the valley down that I'm looking out of the window right now down, down the way, just past that hillside there. It's not a big valley. The valley of Tophet, or the, and that no man might make his son or his daughter to pass through the fire of Molech. Factual history, well known. Look at it, look at it for yourself. They had the god Molech in the valley of Hinnon, the cast iron god, of, uh, and they would take that god's hands, the molten hands, and they'd heat the fire up inside 
the God's belly there, of course, and their hands would be red hot, and they'd take their babies. Mostly, by the way, ladies, I'm just being honest with you, this is mostly baby girls, not as valuable as baby boys. Sorry, this is 2,500 years ago. And they would offer them their children up by the thousands and thousands, maybe into the millions, to their god Molech, Tophet. Once you notice that they rescued, Josiah put an end to it, he rescued the innocents. Again, ancient history was like 10 days ago again, maybe two weeks ago now. The state of Illinois legislature gave a standing ovation on the passage of a protection uh, bill for women's rights to choose up to full term and past full term, if you will. That makes the New York State Assembly look like kid stuff, I understand. And I could hear them all clapping and plotting death. My daughter's about ready to give birth, as most of you know. If you've seen her, you know that. And uh, it's my daughter, after all. So I got to... Carter's very sick today, by the way. Hand, foot, and mouth disease. Don't get near him. But anyhow, back to the story. So Jesse's sitting down in the chair and saying, Dad, 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 look, Dad, look. Looking at her belly, and it's moving all around. She says, Dad, put your hand on my belly. I put my hand on my daughter's belly. It's my daughter, after all. Feel that moving. She says, that's a foot. There's a hand. We have those that say, we are for the rights of women, no matter how full term. I, I say, why, why full term? Why not, why not 12 months? Why not two years? You say, oh, preacher, that's ridiculous. Really? Oh, I could start preaching here, but I better be careful. Might offend somebody. Wouldn't want to do that. Look at Second, Second Kings chapter 24. Forget what Marty Schott thinks. Let's see what God thinks. 2 Kings 24, verse 3. Surely, at the commandment of the Lord, came this upon Judah to remove them out of his sight for the sins of Manasseh, the sin of the murder of the innocents, according to all that he did. Now, no commentary. Let's just read what God says. And also for the innocent blood that he shed. For he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, which the Lord would not pardon. You see, when Josiah came to the throne, they rejected the false priests. They repaired the house of God. They walked with the Lord. They, they, they read the Bible. They refused sodomy. They, they refused the destruction of the innocent. But lastly, in verse chapter back to 23, verses 11 through 15, for time's sake, I'm not going to read all the verses. But they removed the abominable idols. They removed the abominable idols. And America has her idols, her, more than her vast share of idols. In her imagery, we've brought down and worship the creature more than creator now. In fact, we don't even acknowledge the creator. We're all about an environment now. We're all about worship of Mother Earth. Forget about Mother Nature, rather. Forget about Father God. And Josiah said, no, we're going to go back to the Jehovah God, the one that gave us all the power that we had and made us the greatest nation on the face of the earth. I asked the question, will there be an American ruin? I don't know. Will there be an American revival or revolution in a good way? Will it go one way or revolutions can go the other way? I wish we had time, but we had an American revolution, and a few years later there was a French revolution. The cry for the American revolution was no king but King Jesus. The French revolution, the cry was off with their heads. We, were, we had a revolution for God, 
They had a revolution against the bourgeoisie, against gold. They said, we're going to take what's rightfully ours. No more of this monarchy stuff. We're going to take from the rich and give to the poor because we want everybody to be equal. And they got Napoleon out of the deal. Study your history. I asked the question lastly, and I, I'll curtail things. First Kings chapter 22, just glance at verse number 11, and I've already referenced the truth. Will there be an American return? You say, what do you mean by that, preacher? Josiah, daddy reigned for 55 years. He was a wicked guy. In fact, the most wicked of all kings. Josiah comes to the throne, and he's an eight-year-old boy. When he's 18, he gets the law read, read to him, and he, and he repents, and the Bible says he rents his clothes, and I'm paraphrasing, and sackcloth and ashes... He was shamed. He blushed to look to God because his nation was so wicked like Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6. There's a call to repent. St. Chronicles seven fourteen. we all know it. And we know that like we know the John three sixteen of the New Testament. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and seek my face. And oh, I know, by the way, just for you, in case there's one or two or three Bible scholars in this room, that's talking about Israel. Oh, I get it. But I think all scriptures can my inspiration of God is profitable. I think we can apply it. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, we call it an if-then clause, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. A call to repent, lastly, let it be, don't turn me off here, a couple of minutes will be done. There's a call for American return for, there's a call for America to return like there was a call for Judah to return. They rejected it in the end. But there's a call for, for a remnant. There is a coming rescue. There is a coming rescue. Now, I don't know how that rescue is going to work in the short term, whether it's going to be physical or spiritual rescue in one of this regard. But Luke 21 and 28, for sake of time, Jesus said, when you see all these things come to pass, and I almost preached a message at a four-point outline with the letter C's. Most Americans are clueless. Many Americans are careless. They just, they're, they're causeless. They don't even know what's going on. They don't care what's going on. Just what's, what's, for, what's for lunch. That's all that really matters. Well, I don't get into the politics stuff. Someday you wish you did get into politics. Well, I don't care about this, I don't care about that, I'll leave that for other people, I don't like to get involved, really. One day you'll be involved, whether you want to be or not, but you'll be too late. I think of the, the Jews prior to World War II and many other illustrations could be given. If it was on the handwriting on the wall sooner, maybe, maybe things could have turned out differently. But for the rescue, for the remnant, rather, it's a coming rescue. The Bible says, when you see all these things come to pass, look up for your redemption, draweth nigh. Now, I close with these thoughts here and we're done. You say, preacher, this has been a negative message. Two weeks in a row, negative messages. Last week was tragedy and a soundbite. Isaiah 9, 1, 9 says this, except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant. 
We should have been as Sodom. And we should have been as Gomorrah. Hey, I say a word I haven't used in from the pulpit on purpose for about 20, 25 years because it's so offensive. It's the word queer. You say, preacher, how dare you use that word? It's a political platform now. The LGBTQ community. I saw online and people are proudly saying that they're, they're queer. I'm not calling names, that's what they call themselves. I'm not name calling, I'm just saying that's what they want to identify as. Transvestites, transsexuals. We paid a trader, young people, bear with me for another, just popped in my head. Once upon a time in 1956, I think it was, we executed two Jewish people by the name of Rosenthal. Marvin, I think it was Irma, somebody correct me after the service. We executed them for spying against the United States of America. Now we have United States Army officers, a man by the name of Bradley, who's now Chelsea, and we pay by our tax dollars to have the sex change so they can sell 700,000 secrets to WikiLeaks. And then we commute their sentence and they get on the talk show radio and they get on the, the, the late night shows and they're celebrated as heroes and we pay for that. We've come a long ways in America. I think we've come a long ways in the wrong direction. I said I was going to end. I got to end. You say, preacher, what do you think is going to happen to America? My most sophisticated, intelligent answer that I can give you and I feel like I'm, a, I'm close to an authority on this subject. What's going to happen to America? Are you ready? I don't know where our future, where our near future lands. But I know this, Proverbs 28 and verse 4. They that forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as be, keep the law, contend with them. Okay, here's my outline. Here's my real, my real message in one minute. Here we go when I'm done. Here's my real outline I wanted to give you on the back of the page, but I, all this was an introduction. Number one, you say, we're preacher, what do we do? Keep on praising. When Josiah went to battle, he orchestrated, the first thing he did, he orchestrated like Hezekiah of old, and David before that, he employed singers to sing the praises of God. Keep on praising, Christian. Number two, keep on believing now unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we think or ask according to the power that worketh in him worketh in us but it's his power keep on believing God can do incredible God's in the miracle working business God can turn America around again if he chooses to do so keep on don't look to the radio don't look to the news media don't look to, to CNN or Fox News or look to keep on looking at him keep on looking up the author and finisher of our faith. And lastly, keep fighting the good fight of faith. And Paul, he ended with a head going down, his head going down on a chopping block, but when he felt those, uh, uh, as I can't quote the verse all of a sudden here, the, the song, uh, I can't get it out all of a sudden here. I got Stephen, and he felt those bones crush his, stones, stones crush his bones. He resounded with a shout, oh, happy day, I'm on my way, that's Stephen. And Paul, I can't get the song out, but anyhow, he kept on fighting the good fight of faith. I think he laid his head down with a smile on his face because in a millisecond later, he'd be with his Lord. One day from now, in a millisecond, we're going to be with our Lord, everyone that knows Jesus Christ is our Savior. America, revolution, ruin, 
or return. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Lord, it seems like the whole message has been on the ills of America, but really it hasn't been, Lord. Really, the message was to individuals, to Christians. Lord, we don't know what our country is going to do. We don't know what our brother or sister is going to do, what our politicians are going to do, but we know what we can do. We can cleanse our hearts. Time comes when judgment must first begin at the house of God. Lord, it must begin with us. It must begin with me. Lord, maybe there's a Christian here that needs to cleanse their heart from wickedness, get back into the fight, keep the good fight, keep the good fight, and keep the faith. Have a smile on their face and realize that we're on the winning side. Keep looking up. I pray you bless in our moments of invitation. We pray in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. As we stand together, I know I've gone a little bit long this morning. I told Caleb I was going to try to get done early today, but I didn't make it.